Section 50 of United States Senate Election Expulsion and Censure Cases, 1793-1990, by Anne M. Butler. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Joanne Turner. Case 48, David T. Patterson, 1818-1891, Tennessee. Election Case, July 26, 1866, to July 28, 1866. Issues. Reconstruction. Qualifications. Ability to honestly swear to test oath. Chronology. Credentials presented July 26, 1866. Referred to committee July 26, 1866. Committee report July 27, 1866. Senate vote July 28, 1866. Result, seated. Background. Tennessee's desire to return to the Union following the Civil War caused great concern among radical Republicans, who feared that the admission of that state's congressional representatives would establish precedents for other rebel states that would be difficult to check. On the other hand, the state had supported a large Unionist population throughout the war and was the home of President Andrew Johnson, who was certain to watch the proceedings in Congress with a keen eye. Once Tennessee ratified the 14th Amendment and was readmitted to the Union on July 24, 1866, under an enabling act certifying that all necessary conditions had been fulfilled, Congress had little reason to refuse to seat the state's representatives. Statement of the Case On July 26, 1866, David T. Patterson, Unionist, elected to complete the term that began on March 4, 1863, presented his credentials. Charles Sumner, Republican of Massachusetts, immediately asked that the certificates be sent to the Judiciary Committee. Sumner based his request on information from Tennessee that Patterson had taken an oath of allegiance to the rebel government and had served as a state judge during the war. Under the terms of Reconstruction, a person who had acted as an official of a rebellious state was denied office in the national government. Response of the Senate Reverdy Johnson, Democrat of Maryland, and James Grimes, Republican of Iowa, both objected to referring the matter to committee. They insisted that Patterson be seated at once to provide his state with Senate representation. His Tennessee colleague, Joseph Fowler, had been seated the previous day while the Judiciary Committee examined the case. Edgar Cowan, Republican of Pennsylvania, argued that the Senate could expel Patterson with a two-thirds vote after he was seated, but that it was unwise to exclude him from his seat on a simple majority vote when he met all constitutional requirements. Others, however, believed the committee should review the case to determine whether Patterson, having served as a judge under the Confederacy, could properly take the ironclad test oath of loyalty required by the Act of July 1862. 
Under that act, all future officials of the U.S. government must swear that they had not given aid or encouragement to the enemy, nor exercised the functions of any office under an authority in hostility to the United States. After considerable discussion, the Senate voted 26 to 14 to refer the matter to the Judiciary Committee. On July 27, 1866, a divided Judiciary Committee reported back that it accepted the facts of Patterson's support for the Union, but members differed on whether he should be seated. James R. Doolittle, Republican of Wisconsin, had championed Patterson's loyalty, stating that it had not faltered in the face of constant harassment and repeated arrests by the Confederate Army. Patterson held the judicial post when the war began and ran for re-election only because his East Tennessee Unionist friends greatly feared the other candidate, an aggressive Confederate. Although victorious, Patterson had difficulty pursuing his career as a judge, for he spent most of his days in hiding, unable to convene the court with regularity. Further, Doolittle added, quote, his house was the home of the fleeing men who sought their way through the mountains from North and South Carolina. His fortune was at their disposal. He organized a system by which the men of East Tennessee ran into Kentucky and flocked to our armies by thousands upon thousands, unquote. Patterson's personal suffering on behalf of the Union convinced the majority of the Judiciary Committee that he had subscribed to the Confederate oath simply as an expedient, in order to be in a position to help protect Union supporters in that part of Tennessee from civil disorder and violence by bands of armed rebels. Patterson had also been in touch with leaders of Union forces in the area, providing them with information on rebel movements. In light of his evident dedication to the Union, the panel recommended that Patterson be seated. While Committee Chairman Lyman Trumbull, Republican of Illinois, concurred in these sentiments and sympathized with Patterson's plight, he maintained that Patterson could not honestly swear that he had never accepted any office in a government hostile to the United States. Trumbull objected to seating a member who knowingly swore a false oath, particularly since Republicans worried that many Southern states were still trying to send to Congress known rebels who might not hesitate to swear that they had been loyal during the war. As a possible solution, Trumbull offered a joint resolution that would exempt Patterson from the troublesome portion of the oath. Other senators objected that the resolution would never pass the House, although they agreed that if it did, President Johnson, who happened to be Patterson's father-in-law, could be depended upon not to veto it. The resolution, hastily drafted that day by Trumbull, passed the Senate 35 to 2. The Senate remained in session until 4 in the morning of the next day, when the body again addressed the subject of David Patterson. 
exhausted by the late hour and informed that the House, bowing to pressure from Republicans who objected to tampering with the oath in any way, had tabled the joint resolution. The Senate reverted to the original recommendation from the Judiciary Committee. Trumbull continued to insist that the only way to administer Patterson the oath was to exclude the portion that referred to the acceptance of a Confederate office. Benjamin Wade, Republican of Ohio, blamed Patterson for creating his own predicament. Quote, no man can act as a judge under a rebel government and swear allegiance to it without committing an act of hostility and treason against his own government. If he is true to the Confederacy, he is a traitor to our government. If he is true to our government, he is false to that to which he has voluntarily sworn, unquote. Faced with this impasse and unwilling to see the oath intended to exclude rebels and secessionists become a weapon against a vigorous unionist, the Senate finally voted 21 to 11 with 18 senators absent to seat Patterson. He took his oath of office in the final hours of the congressional session on July 28th. Conclusion Even after Patterson's seating, two concerns remain. He did, in fact, swear to the full oath, which his actions contradicted, and some senators could not shake the uneasy feeling that the oath itself represented an illegal addition to the constitutional qualifications for membership. Such dilemmas were to be repeated many times in the Senate throughout the troublesome era of Reconstruction. David Patterson, who had risked his life in support of the Union in Tennessee, remained in the Senate until the end of his term in 1869, when he retired from public life. He died in Tennessee in 1891. End of Case 48 and of Section 50